What did Jesus mean when he condemned the religious leaders for devouring widows' houses? We're going to talk about that next on Polygamy. What love is this? Throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, God has always been an advocate for widows and orphans. He wants His people to have mercy and compassion on the poor, on the oppressed, and the fatherless and the widows. In ancient biblical history, widows especially were neglected and impoverished, but God commanded His people not to ignore their plight. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever which means that those who claim to know and love God will not exploit or ignore widows and orphans. (laughs) In fact, the word religion is used only five times in the King James Bible, and one of them tells us what true religion is. It's found in James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty simple. Simply said. It's funny, the true religion isn't Mormonism, huh? (laughs) Now, uh, and and it's not the United Order, and it certainly isn't polygamy. But when you look at the religion of the polygamists, it's obvious that it directly opposes God's will, His way, and His purpose, and that includes how polygamists treat the poor, the widows, and the orphans. We want you to know what Jesus said to the religious leaders who neglected and even plotted against widows. Mm. Matthew twenty three fourteen says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Now, that's from Jesus, his own words. And so we looked up in a historical uh, Bible commentary um, to find out the scholarly meaning of devour devour widows' houses (laughs) in that time and in that that historical time frame. And so what is Jesus referring to? Well... Uh, The word houses refers to property or possessions of any kind, not just the roof over your head, but all the property of the widows. the, the, The leaders were taking away or they were legally gaining possession of property of the widows by coercion or outright theft. They claimed to know the law and and they pretended justice towards the poor and the distressed uh, and pretended to help those who were in poverty, but they caused widows and poor people to commit the management of their property to them as guardians, and then they took advantage of them and defrauded them. Just because they've lost their husbands, I guess. Mm-hmm. And no one to, to um, defend them. Right. And polygamists do exactly the same thing. Really? Exactly. They also put on appearance of great sanctity, and they induced women to give them what they give what they owned under to them under pretense of, of devoting it to the religious purposes. And polygamy groups do exactly that. Mm. And Jesus condemned them for it. Now the Old Testament pronounced a woe against such treatment and oppression hundreds of years before Jesus even came and condemned it himself. And we have a quote from Micah about that. Yeah, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. 
They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. And his inheritance would be what the widow should receive receive. when he dies. Again, this is precisely the behavior and even the doctrine that Mormon polygamists live by. And just like the Pharisees, they claim to take the property away from the people so that they can build God's kingdom. But would God build his kingdom on the foundation of poverty? on the neglect and the abuse of widows and orphans that he himself condemned. Now, the word inheritance is used 239 times in the King James Bible, but many Mormon polygamists do not believe in or derive any benefit from inheritance rights at the death of a spouse or family member. None. Zero. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why they... Do- don't understand that. Uh, because it belongs yeah. to the kingdom. Yeah. doesn't belong to the individual. Mm-hmm. God believed in individual properties. Sure. He, he believed in that. Yeah. And he gave instructions regarding that. But the polygamy groups don't. The Kingston group, for instance, does not believe in any inheritance rights whatsoever, despite the fact that God did command inheritance rights be honored. In the Kingston polygamy group, if a member dies and a child or relative wants something that that person had, they have to buy it. They have to pay the group for it. Even if the deceased was a parent or a spouse or a sibling, nothing can be inherited from the dead person. And if they want to have it, they have to buy it. And if they do buy it, they have to sign ownership over to the polygamy group leadership so even after they buy it they don't own it oh my goodness so if they tried to pass it on to their children they couldn't do it no they have to buy it oh my goodness they they the parent the child might have the the option of buying it if they want it but But they they don't get to to inherit it wow how even but but you know How they get property is that they have to buy it themselves. Members have to buy their property themselves with all their earnings. uh, And then all the property, but all the property belongs to the group. They're required to sign it over to the group on an annual basis. They fill out an annual personal inventory sheet listing everything that they own on that sheet and assign it to group ownership. Then when they die, the group gets it all. Mm. And there's a memento. If there's a memento or something a relative wants, then like I said, they have to... There's a purchase price attached to it. Now, that's bad. That's bad. But worse is they have a blank last will and testament. They encourage some members to sign before they die. And then after which, after they die, the leaders will fill in the blanks. I bequeath this, this, and this. But it's already been signed and witnessed, so they can legally do whatever they want with that person's personal property, which seems to cover any chance of a legal challenge for inheritance. That's bad, but worse They threaten their members with damnation if they don't keep all their money in the Kingston bank account. But worse than that, they don't tell you how much money you have in their account. And worse than all that, (laughs) they steal widows' houses, which polygamy groups are guilty of doing, and Jesus condemned those who did it. Polygamists use a passage in the book of Acts to justify the requirement that their members sign over to them their private property. And this is the passage. From Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these things, of the things that belonged to him, was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, this isn't 
<laughs> and was never intended as a command from God to establish and live a united order that Mormon polygamists have devised. Context is so important to understand what's going on and what's truly being communicated in any Bible passage. And the context here is not establishing a polygamous commune. <laughs> the book of Acts chronicles Jesus's New Testament church as it was exploding. And each new convert that became a Christian uh, he believed what all the other Christians believed. They had in common doctrine centered on and glorifying only Jesus the Messiah as Savior. It didn't include polygamy, and having everything in common was not a united order, but they shared resources. Willingly practicing charity isn't even connected with forming a polygamy united order. Those resources were shared through the love of Jesus. Yeah. And they helped widows and orphans. They didn't hurt them or fleece them. And it was all voluntary. None of it was coerced. God is against religious leaders that exploit the people. God has never expected a person to give to others so much that the giver ends up in poverty while the receiver ends up with all the goodies and controls the resources of the giver. This is how the Apostle Paul described it. Yeah, in 2 Corinthians 8.3, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Of their own accord. Right. They willingly, they weren't coerced or they're threatened to give it or bribed with the promise of eternal life if they did and damnation if they didn't. They gave because their heart was grieved by the poverty and suffering of others. We have another one. A little later on in 2 Corinthians 8, 12. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. No, I loved that. When I first <laughs> yeah, discovered that verse, it was pretty exciting to me. Notice that their giving was governed by what they have, not yeah. by what they don't okay. have. And this, of course, is opposite of how Mormonism encourages members to give tithing before they even pay their bill. If they, sure. Even if they can't pay their bills, right. pay your tithe. Then God will bless you, they promise. Well, that advice goes against God's advice. Some polygamists have even said to borrow money to pay your tithe. That's also very wrong and economically irresponsible. Yeah, had that happen. Yeah, really? This next scripture is just a little later on in Corinthians 8, 13 and 14. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. Now that's interesting because God doesn't want somebody that has a lot of money to give everything they've got so somebody else can be rich. Wouldn't be prudent. And then he ends up in poverty. Right. But that he gives enough so that each has enough. The one, the, the one with has more can give more. The one who has less will give less and some can't even give at all. But in following these guidelines, everyone will have enough. This is not what happens in polygamy groups and their ungodly united order system. Now, some groups like the Kingstons demand that you give everything. Everything is required to be given over to them. And when you buy a home, you buy it. If you remodel or make additions to it, you pay for them. But the polygamy group owns title to it or the land that the house is on. <laughs> and when you die, the, poly the polygamy group has the advantage. Wow. 
Despite the fact that God commanded personal inheritance rights, there's no inheritance rights honored by polygamists for survivors of those who pass away, not for the widows or the orphans. Too many widows have been pushed out of their homes when their spouse is passed on and the group takes the home or forces them out of it. They are forced out so that the greedy leaders uh, have positioned themselves under the condemnation of Jesus by stealing widows' houses. I've never heard of this before. This is really fascinating. <laughs> it's it's and sad. It's so sad. It yeah. just it breaks my heart. Uh, and and of course, this has happened in my family personally. Personally, in my personal family, and so many other families. It happens in families in almost every polygamy group, not just the group I'm from. Mm -hmm. But it's happening now again in my own family. All the improvements made on the home were paid for by them. The home itself was paid for by them. The husband died, and now his widow, who is my sister, is being displaced so someone else in the group can have her home. <laughs> now, That's crazy. we've always said that the polygamists claim to believe in Jesus, claiming that they are the only people on the planet who are God's true, genuine church, yet they don't even believe what Jesus taught. No. And that's very strange. But we want you to know what Jesus taught and what the Bible teaches about stealing widows' houses. And the greedy leaders of the polygamists are not exempt from the condemnation Jesus has declared against their behavior. Yeah, this is quite interesting. Luke chapter 20, verses 45 through 47. And in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, and the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. Ooh. ooh, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is an ooh. And you know, these really, whether it's in in the Mormon Church or polygamy groups, the leaders, you know, they are so revered and so yes. honored, and yeah. and and they they just they seem to just take it like they deserve it. Right. Of course, nobody deserves honor but Jesus. Uh, but you'll also find this passage in Mark chapter twelve, verses thirty-eight through forty. But this passage means that they are not to take possessions, houses, away from widows. In their affliction, too. In, especially in their affliction. They've just lost a husband. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, because polygamists refuse to grant inheritance to widows and orphans, we want to present the biblical foundation for inheritance rights that God established. He historically allowed and allocated for inheritance benefits. The tradition in those days was for the sons to inherit from their father, but there was a man in the Old Testament who only had daughters and no sons. Uh -huh. And so these daughters wanted to know if they could inherit. And this is what happened. <laughs> Numbers 27, 6 through 11. I'm not sure I'm going to say this name right. but <laughs> And the Lord said to Moses, the daughters of Zelophehad, are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. 
If he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. And if his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it. And it shall be for the people of Israel a statute and rule, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now that's pretty clear. Yeah, God daughter, al- is for inheritance rights. And allows the daughters to <laughs> inherit the father's right. possessions. Right, which no other, com- no other nation on the planet at that time had gave any rights like that to, to the females. Women, to the women. Yeah. So God not only wanted the property of the dead man to be given over to the surviving relatives, he commanded it. (laughs) God wanted the daughters to inherit their father's property, and polygamists claimed to be God's people. So why don't they follow God's instructions? We have more scriptures to share on this topic. Of course we do. (laughs) This is is where Jesus really did... Kind of, he did a number not, on those yeah, religious did, leaders, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't have a lot of patience. In Matthew twenty three twenty five, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And then in verse 28, So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Ooh. Now, like we said these leaders in Mormonism are revered and almost worshipped as though they were gods themselves. But their actions revealed they were greedy and full of self-indulgence. And we have seen this very thing in lawsuits against various groups for stealing money from people, Mm. taking illegal tax credits, lying about their use of welfare funds, using food stamps to grace the leader's table with sumptuous food that the members couldn't have, yet the leaders took the members' food stamps away from them so they could have their sumptuous food and wallow in their own self-indulgence. Now, we're not exaggerating. And in fact, if you knew the depths of their deceit and self-indulgence, it would shock you to the very core of your sensibility. God warned his people against oppressing others. Yeah, just another one, Jeremiah 7, 6. Do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow. See, he's he's always mentioning the fatherless and the widows in the oppressed people. And of course, God sees everything, and he accused his people of oppression. In Ezekiel 22, 7, he says, The fatherless and the widow are wronged in you. And we can say that in the polygamy groups. They are wronged by the polygamy group. Folks in polygamy need to pay attention to what Jesus said about what you are doing. And we're just quoting what God himself said. These are not our opinions, but are God's own declarations. And God also said, woe to those who call good evil and evil good. It might seem good in the sight of polygamists to steal widows' houses on the pretext of building God's kingdom, but stealing widows' houses on any pretext is condemned by God, affirmed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Matthew twenty three thirty three. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Ooh. <laughs> now, we didn't ask that question. <laughs> Jesus did. There are uncountable incidents where the leaders of polygamy groups have stolen money, houses, and income from widows and orphans, leaving them totally destitute. 
and they're, so they get, receive only what the polygamy group will let them have. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a woman, we know, while we sit here, this moment, that has been trafficked from Mexico by a polygamy group. She has no papers to legally be in this country. She is a plural wife with children trafficked by the group. She is kept isolated, barefoot and pregnant, as it were. Uh, her selfish husband holds back everything from her that he thinks is extra and gives it to his first wife, leaving her with little food and less provision in the needs of her life and her children. Now, she can't complain to the leaders because they won't help. Right. She can't go to the public servants or civil authorities because she's been threatened by her husband that she's illegal. Keep your mouth shut. They'll take your kids away from from her and send her back to Mexico alone mm-hmm. with nothing. Now, this is not an isolated case. Polygamists, especially the AUB, have a history of this kind of treatment and this type of human trafficking with Mexican plural wives. When we found out about this situation, there were local Christians that stood up to the plate to help this family. But we asked polygamous men who do this the same question Jesus asked. How will you escape God's divine judgment? The polygamous united order claims everyone will be equally provided for, but there's no equality in polygamy groups, no equality economically or equality for females and certainly not the children. Can the children of polygamous men be considered as orphans? Well, I think most of them can qualify as orphans. Their fathers may have three or four or five dozen children or more. It's impossible for him to know them all, certainly not by name, sometimes not even by their mother, nor can they provide properly or be an effective father to that many children. And many of them, in, uh, the children in polygamy, don't even know who their father is. Or they're told some mythical story about a false father who never comes home. I think they can be considered as orphans. Yeah, sounds like the definition <laughs> of an orphan. <laughs> well, God instructed his people to take care of widows, the fatherless, and the poor. Not only are the polygamy groups guilty of refusing to obey God in this, but they are instrumental in causing these very problems. They don't relieve the pain and shame of poverty, but instead they make it happen and tell them it is God's will. God warns against such abusive treatment and behavior. From Isaiah 10, verses 1 through 3, Woe to those who decree iniquitous decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may be their spoil and that they may make the fatherless their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your wealth? (laughs) Good questions. And I think this is extremely relevant to what we're talking about today. And the people in polygamy groups who are doing these things really does need to pay attention. They they do need to pay attention to what God has said here. A lot of warnings. Do any of the leaders or some of those coming up through the ranks ever question what they're doing? Do you ever 
hear of that? Oh, I don't ever. I don't ever. Nobody, any rebellion, so to speak? Or? Uh, I, I haven't heard any inner rebellion. No, really? people who leave will finally understand, well, this was coercion. After and, they've left. And it wasn't justice at all. But people who are in the group, they don't dare. The, the leaders are always right. Yeah. And they don't dare question or doubt that what they're doing isn't the right. Besides, they have to build the kingdom of God. <laughs> and that's that's, that's little, what we were told all the while we were their growing little group, up. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, polygamists will often take biblical stories and illogically re create requirements for themselves, wrongfully based on the biblical text. One example is fasting. Some people in the Kingston group, for instance, have gone on long-term fasts, sometimes to try and cure diseases like cancer, sometimes to become more humble and righteous. I mean, after all, Jesus fasted for 40 days, so they Thanks should so. also. But here is a biblical quote that should shatter the purpose of those kinds of fasts, and it explains the kind of fasting God wants. From Isaiah 58, 4 through 7. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Ooh, we pray yes. that the polygamists will see these verses <laughs> and follow them, that they will understand they are causing poverty and oppression. They steal widows' houses. They promote poverty. And we want them to understand that God wants truth and love and compassion and grace, and he wants them to break the straps of the yoke that they have placed on the women and children, and that they will relieve the poverty that they themselves have caused these people to suffer. There's just such control, isn't there? Huge you control. And you said that they have to sign every year Annually. an annual statement of mm -hmm. their... Of, of, of everything they of own? their possessions, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, one person said they even have to count their paper clips. Now, I, that's what they said. Maybe they were being hyperbolic on that or whatever. Yeah. But, but um, um, they do have to sign. And what did they expect the widow to do? Depend upon them. Well, I mean, when they take their house or they lose their house. Oh, go live with somebody else or... or find a sister. Or, or find somebody, yeah, that they with. can stay with, or depending on the situation, but they don't ever provide for and them. And then they is this provide. usually a new wife that takes over the home? Um, in this situation with my sister, the, the current going, uh, situation that's going on now, no, it's not. Uh, it's not a, a wife. Is uh, The property that, that they took from our family, it was wives that took the, wow. took the residence. Yeah. All in the name of God. All in the name of God. <laughs> that's the blasphemy about that's, all that's this. That's the blasphemy, yeah. Yeah, oh. it is. Thank you, Earl. You Appreciate bet. your Fascinating. <laughs> You know, all of Mormonism lives on an Old Testament foundation of laws, legalism, and punishment. Moses brought the law, but Jesus 
brought grace. If we live under the law, we will be condemned by the law because the law has no power to give us eternal life. But if we live under grace, we experience the power of God through the cross of Jesus Christ, which does have the power to give us eternal life. Since polygamists live under Old Testament law and the Old Testament law requires inheritance rights as well as obligation to take care of widows, orphans, and the poor, these polygamists are under the laws of condemnation. Polygamists have no concept of law or grace as found in the Bible and their own claims contradict each other. But when anyone turns to Jesus alone for eternal life, God gives abundant life. All his promises are yes in Christ. Then you will want to take care of the widows and the orphans and even hand back the houses that you've stolen from them. We pray that this would happen. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.